Last night we were blessed, as many of you are or were, to have trick-or-treaters at your house looking for uh, great candy, uh, wonderful munchies, and uh, a good time. We saw some beautiful costumes and uh, everything from firefighters and policemen to SWAT teams and princesses. Uh, It was our joy to have them all. But I don't want that fun of last night to overshadow the depths of what we're doing today. Because today is All Saints Day. And last night was All Hallows Even, which we've shortened into Halloween. Hallows meaning holy. So something to do with holy. And it was the evening before something. So it was the evening before All Saints, which is a way of saying hallowed or holy, holy ones. So All Saints Day is today, and it began last night, as many people were trick-or-treating. So what does the word saint mean? Before we adopt two more saints by the grace of God into the fellowship of the saints, uh, what does it mean to be a saint? It does mean to be set apart, to be made holy by God, to be holy as God is holy, which is a commandment we read throughout Scripture, to reflect His glory and His holiness to a sinful and darkened world. That's what saints do. So I'd like to ask you, do you consider yourself a saint today? Because what we're doing today is we're making two new saints. And we've got serious business going on here. Because we're going to ask all of you guys to take these vows seriously. Will you do all in your power to support these two persons in their life in Christ? Will you be their community of prayer? Will you love and care for them as saints of God in the household of God, the family of God? And you guys are going to say, we will. We will. That's serious business. So that's the goal. Those are our marching orders. That ultimately, we want Jeff and Kristen to make it to the finish line of faith together with their children, with their faith intact. And that one day, the bishop will come somewhere like here, and he will ask of these two children, do you now? Accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So for the next 12, 13, 14 years, our job will be to deliver the faith into their lives so that they can make a mature commitment to Jesus in faith, to finish the race well. So let's look at what a saint looks like from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 17. If you have your Bibles, it would be helpful to go there. Revelation chapter 7, last book of the Bible. And what we're going to get there is an end time picture of a guy named John. And he's on an island ostracized in house arrest on an island called Patmos in the Aegean Sea. And through his prayer and relationship with God, he keeps getting these pictures, these windows into heaven and heaven firsthand. So look at verses 9 and 10. Look at what he sees about these saints. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation and tribe and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out and singing in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and the Lamb. So who are the saints? They're the ones in heaven. They are not extraordinarily moral people, although they probably are pretty moral. They don't have to be extraordinarily virtuous. They don't have to be extraordinarily pious. They have to be faithful. 
They are the ones who've washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. And they're a multitude from every tribe and people and nation. So the white robes that we often wear when we're baptized are a symbol of our baptism. That in Christ Jesus, through faith in that Savior who bled on that cross for us, we are washed free from our sins and we're made saints of God. So that's where, why we wear a surplice that's white. That's why the, the choir will wear a kata that's white. That's why many clergy wear an alb. It's not because they're cool, for goodness sake. It's not because they make us better than you guys, for goodness sake. We just want the congregation to remember that he has washed us free and clean in his blood. We want you to remember your baptism every Sunday. So saints are washed, but we're also waiting. That means we're being sanctified. We're being made holy, all right? But the sanctification won't be complete this side of heaven until we meet Jesus. We need to remember that now too. So we're washed and we're waiting. Ephesians 2.19 puts it this way. Paul says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. These are Christians. These are saints. But you are fellow citizens with all the saints and of the household of God. So saints can still sin, and they do, but they cannot lose their salvation. So I want the Jacob's family to be clear with their children how they're saved, how they're made saints. It's not by what they've done, but what Christ did for them. Because John Wesley, one of my favorite characters ever, Anglican priest, somehow he didn't get that message from his parents. He was born to a father, Samuel, who's a Church of England priest, a mother, Susanna, who led Bible studies for their local children in their neighborhood, faithful woman, godly father, and yet John Wesley also became a priest and was worried about his salvation. And I, I love that song we just sang, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. We need to make sure these children know how they got to be saints and that they cannot have that taken away from them. Because John Wesley in 1736 was taking a boat over to Georgia to become a missionary in the United States of America. A storm, a big squall, a horrendous, ferocious storm brewed, and they thought the boat was going down. So all the passengers got down in the hold of the ship, and the Anglicans were over on this side, fearful, worried, if I die tonight, would I go to heaven, those sorts of questions. But on the other side of the ship, there was a group of German missionaries called Moravians. And what were they doing? They were singing praises to the glory of God. Lord, if we make it, that'd be great. If we don't, we, we, we get to see Jesus. Wesley was astounded, and he wrote of that in his journal. Two years later, he makes his way back to England and goes to a Bible study in London at a street called Aldersgate. And there are Moravians once again there. And they read... Martin Luther's preface to the book of Romans. And just this is gushing about the grace being the only thing we need, Jesus alone being the only thing we need, that our works don't make us saints. And John Wesley was moved, an adult priest who had never heard the gospel on that level. And he said that night, I felt my heart strangely warmed, and I felt I did trust in Christ and him alone for my salvation. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Teach that to your children. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us about the righteousness of Jesus and how that works. It says, God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin for us 
that we might become the righteousness of God. Think of that. Let that set in. Professor was once, true story, asked of one of his students in philosophy, who is the most sinful person that's ever walked the face of the earth? He stopped for a moment. He said, Jesus Christ. The student was blown away. What do you mean, Jesus? He was one of the best people. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. He soaks in everything that is ugly and vile and wretched about us. He takes that on himself, and in exchange, he gives us his righteousness. So that's how saints are made. When God the Father looks down on these children after today, he won't see that selfish sinner who wants what they want, when they want, at all times they want it. He's going to see the righteousness of Jesus on these two children. Now, they still may, may wake you up at 2 a.m., but they are saints nonetheless. They have union with Christ. And what do saints do? Let's look at verse 9. They're worshiping. Teach your children how to worship. It says they're standing before the, ro- the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in these white robes, waving palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. With palm branches. Doesn't that remind you of Palm Sunday? Triumphal entry. King Jesus has come and taken his proper place on his throne in heaven before the Father. King Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do you worship still with that kind of enthusiasm? If you do, then you're a saint. It's biblical. I love it in the Eucharist when we say, with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven. And I love to think of the saints who have passed before me. Nita Jeffords, my mama. Tom Jeffords, my daddy. Barbara Davis, formerly Smoke, who's my mother-in-law. Look at verse 11. Don't you see that picture? And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they all fell on their face before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The writer of Hebrews says that those people, that collective group, they were worshiping in heaven while we worship down here are a great cloud of witnesses who are praying for us to complete the journey in faith. Let them know they've got a great cloud of witnesses praying for them to be successful, to make it to the finish line. Praising, bowing down, singing, teach your children to worship, to tithe unto the Lord as a thank offering for all he's done to you. Teach them to give of their time and their talent and their treasures as a sacrifice for all that Jesus means in their lives. Finally, the perseverance of the saints. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works that no one might boast. Saints are saints by the grace of God. Saints are given the garments of salvation as a gift from God. Nobody can take that from them. But they are going to go through difficult times in their lives. Very difficult times. Jesus said in John 16, I've said all these things to you that in me you might have peace. If you have union with me, you might have peace. This is the very next verse of the second half of that verse. In this world... You will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. 
Friends, if you hadn't seen tribulation in 2020, you've been sleepwalking through the whole thing. <laughs> hadn't been a day when the escalation of tribulation has not grown and grown and grown. And yet we bring in saints to a world that's falling apart. And the promise of Jesus is, behold, I'm making all things new. All things new. Remind your children, no matter how dark this world gets, he's making all things new. Verse 15, we're told, Therefore the saints are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne will what? Shelter them with his presence through that tribulation. One day they're going to hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Why? Verse 17. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And in the end of time, he will wipe away the tears from all their faces. No matter what tribulation they will go through, his promise is he will make all things right again. They are in Christ Jesus after today. He will lead them besides living waters, and he will bring water of salvation to their afflicted lives when they go through tribulation. So the last thing today is this baptism is the beginning of a journey that will take a long time and it will go into eternity. The journey is to make them saints who are washed, yes, but waiting for perfection later. Teach them that. Teach them how they are made saints, how he sustains us through tribulation with his sheltering presence and his living water and remind them that the story gets better and better and better. In C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle in the Narnia Chronicles, I'll end it with this. All of their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has ever read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Today, they're beginning the preface of the great story, and their story will go on forever into eternity by the grace of God. Amen.